Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bellotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and we have a great series lined up for you. For the next couple of weeks, we will be talking to Agreco, a global company, a powerhouse in providing power. They came into the studio and we talked about everything. You want to learn about Permian Basin, which is the first series. You definitely don't want to miss today's show. And by the way, if you do miss a show, no problem. Just visit shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Click on the link for In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and you can hear the shows anytime, anywhere. And now it's time to welcome our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome back. Hey, happy to be here. It's a beautiful day in Texas. It sure is. The weather has been a little crazy, but it has just been some really nice days in between rainstorms. So there's been a lot of activity. Once again, I say this every single time uh, we get together week after week. But one thing that is for sure is oil and gas is just not boring. I, I think a lot of people <laughs> have that perception, <laughs> but it moves as fast as Las Vegas uh, and hitting, you know, the slot machines. It's it's go, go, go. There's It a, really you know, is, yeah. It's a fast market. Um, so I want to get on the topic um, of Scott Pruitt, the um, the administrator of the EPA, and uh, there's a little bit of some movement there. Talk to me a little bit about what you think is going on with Scott Pruitt. Well, um, so here's the thing about Scott Pruitt is there's a campaign to try to force him out of office that's being coordinated you know, by the radical environmentalists who, basically ran the EPA during the Obama administration, and they're coordinating with uh, their friends in the news media and in the Democratic Party to trump up a lot of uh, claims against Pruitt uh, on, you know, travel expenses and office furniture and stuff like that. That is nothing that the EPA administrators and the Obama administration didn't do. Uh, But of course, the environmentalists are mad because Pruitt's getting a lot done in terms of reversing uh, a lot of the very heavy-handed regulation that they forced through during the Obama years, and uh, that's upset them. And uh, so, you know, you have this campaign. They're they're basically uh, just trying to create so much noise around him that he becomes such a distraction uh, that the White House finally asks him to leave the office. But that isn't going to happen. Uh, he already had his come to Jesus meeting with President Trump a couple of weeks ago, and the president endorsed him. And he had a good hearing in, in front of one of the uh, House committees on uh, Thursday, a very effective hearing. And I think, you know, put a lot of things to bed. And he will remain in that job uh, indefinitely, uh, you know, unless there's actually some real scandal uh, in something he's doing. But so far, nothing that they've raised is, is anything that amounts to a hill of beans. So that's what you get for being an effective uh, administrator in a Republican administration. Uh, yeah, I guess so. You know, David, the discussion about uh, Scott Pruitt uh, at the EPA, he's come up with a, a policy decision 
uh, that's probably not going to be very popular. And this could also be the reason why some people's hair is on fire and heads are exploding. Tell me what the yeah. policy is. <laughs> well, it's it, yeah, it won't be popular with people who like fake science. Um, and that's the key, fake so science. It, it, right. It, it's all about transparency. Uh, the, the administrator issued a policy decision uh, this week that basically says that in the future, no future regulation from the Environmental Protection Agency can be based on any science, any study that is not publicly available for public scrutiny. You've had all these regulations during the Obama years and even during the Bush administration and the Clinton administration that were based on science that was kept secret from the public. Well, why is it kept secret from the public? I mean, this is against every principle of free and open government that we have. Uh, so all he's doing is introducing transparency to the regulatory process. And of course, the, the radical groups that uh, depend on what often is fake science uh, to get their regulatory agenda through are irate about that. It's just another reason why he's under attack right now. Interesting. Well, some very we'll have to keep an eye on uh, what Scott Pruitt is doing and, and uh, changes at the <laughs> EPA. But so far... I can't really see anything wrong with if you're going to make policy changes and you're going to let the American people read why you're basing policies off of that. To me, that just sounds like that's great news, especially understanding that that had not been happening. Right. It hadn't been happening in a lot of cases. And uh, the whole waters of the United States regulation, half of that was based on secret science that, that was not available to the public. So it just it's a dangerous thing and we shouldn't be doing it. Well, it, it is dangerous because you think about it, it's like, why are they keeping it in secrecy? Is somebody getting paid? Is it? And, and I know you're saying fake science, but there's also, it just leads to a whole host of things that if you're really going to be honorable and you have nothing to hide, then show it and show the American people and let the science speak for itself as opposed to let's keep it a secret. No one gets to see it. That's not even what the United States is built off of making laws and stuff. So exactly, you know, I can, I can truly see head ex heads exploding. <laughs> Boom. Uh, with this, uh, but I want to change gears a little bit and talk about uh, the EIA's forecast. Very interesting forecast. Um, so let's start with telling me a little bit about what is the forecast stating? Well, uh, it's related to the Permian Basin. The EIA's uh, monthly forecast came out, and they're saying that the, the Permian is, is going to reach uh, a little over 3, point, 3, 3 million barrels of production per day uh, in May, which uh, is going to make it, uh, if it was a member of OPEC, if the Permian Basin alone was a member of OPEC, it'd be the fourth largest producing member of OPEC. Mm. Uh, and by the end of the year, they forecast that the Permian production, the oil production in the Permian is going to exceed that of Iran, which would uh, mean that it would surpass the third largest uh, uh, producer in OPEC. And that's just the Permian. Um, you know, and, and total Texas production, if Texas was a country, Texas would currently be the sixth largest oil producing nation on the face of the earth. Um, so it's it's just an incredible amount of production coming out of Texas with no real end in sight, uh, particularly with these strong crude oil prices that we're seeing right now. You know, it, mm -hmm. that production level is just going to continue to go up. God bless Texas, you know. God bless Texas. Yes, indeed. And, you know, you just really, as an advocate for how good this is for the community, just thinking about the jobs that these produce, high paying jobs, 
uh, lower gas uh, that you pay at the pump. Um, just, uh, funding the rainy day fund, which yeah. has $11 billion sitting in it to keep yeah. the budget balanced and all those things. Yeah. yeah. So if you're living in Texas, you're living pretty good. <laughs> the outlook is yep. pretty rosy. Um, yep. Louisiana, give me an update on what's happening. Uh, Scoop and Stack, uh, Louisiana area, Shell Plays, what's happening in that area? Yeah, Louisiana and Oklahoma. Um, you know, uh, Oklahoma just increased its production tax, which uh, un- is unfortunate. It, it's very substantially raised uh, the oil and gas production tax on new wells to 5% uh, from uh, previous 2%. And what that's going to mean is a lot more capital from oil and gas companies flowing out of Oklahoma into Texas. Same thing's going on in Louisiana. You have a governor over there who's using, you know, his authority in the governor's office to hire lawyers to sue the oil industry. Um, just all sorts of litigation abuse abuse coming out of the governor's office and uh, shenanigans at the tax department in terms of limiting transportation deductions for severance taxes. On and on and on. And so uh, it's unfortunate for people living in Louisiana and living in Oklahoma because what they're going to see is a loss of jobs, uh, a loss of rig count uh, from those areas up there. And all that capital is going to move into Texas or go up to North Dakota where, you know, the state governments there uh, are not raising taxes on the industry and not not using their broad discretion to sue the industry. And so... um, you know, it's just an unfortunate situation. I love Louisiana, love Oklahoma and the people there, and uh, uh, it's 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 really a sad situation for those folks. Well, hopefully they will uh, see their ways. I want to set my notes aside and pick up the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which you've started something new as the editor. You have Shell Plays. It kind of gives you a quick briefing on the different shell plays and so I just wanted to you know say how much I really like that in looking at the magazine and 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 looking through it and I'm encouraging if you don't have your latest copy of shell magazine go to shellmag.com and get yourself a copy you can look at it online for free yeah we just started that with the last issue we're going to continue it from now on it, it it's a pretty handy little deal I think it is and and then of course you know there's your your weekly updates so uh, that you can find on our Facebook you know the shellmag.com and, and then we have of course the energy moment so there's just a lot of of updates that we're we're bringing to you um, on a daily basis to get you up to speed and you're in the know if you are gonna want to talk on energy just visit us or uh, visit us on showmag.com uh, david that is all the time we have for this show uh, until next week when i'm sure we'll be talking more energy and more policy oh i look forward to being there and with that we do have to take a quick break but when we return our guest, David Dicker, the head of sales for oil and gas for Agreco in North America, will be joining us in studio for the first part of a six-part series that you don't want to miss. And we'll be right back with more of In the Oil Patch Radio Show. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sinton with your current industry update. President Macron of France said that despite his words to the contrary, he believes that President Trump will ultimately pull the United States out of the Iranian nuclear deal. If true, this could once again mean that Iranian oil exports may be in jeopardy. In other news, the U.S. reached another milestone in crude exports last week, averaging 2.3 million barrels a day. That's up from 1.7 million barrels a day the week before, 1.2 million barrels a day just last year, and 390,000 barrels a day just two years ago. 
WTI prices rose slightly yesterday, climbing 10 cents to end the day at $68.16 a barrel. Gas prices posted their fourth straight day of growth, ending the day at $2.82 a BTU. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great guest lined up for you. We have David Dickert, who is the head of sales for the oil and gas for Greco in North America. David, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you. Very excited to be here with you guys. Well, you know, honestly, we have had a great partnership with Agreco for many years, Shell Magazine and now in the Oil Patch. And we're always excited to bring on great partners who really represent quality brands. And Agreco really is one that stands out. So I'm really excited to have you come today on the show and tell us a little bit about what Agreco is doing. But first, I want to start off by tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and then, of course, the company that you represent. So I lead uh, the sales management uh, for our oil and gas division for the Americas. So that covers everything from South America to North America, Central America. That's a large footprint. It is a bit of a footprint, (laughs) it is. And at Agreco, we're a lot of things to a lot of different folks in different sectors and industries. But um, for oil and gas, we primarily support uh, powering artificial lift for land-based and a lot of maintenance for offshore type type businesses and work. So, and tell us a little bit about. So, Agreco is this global company that's mm-hmm. really been working on powering up, and we'll get into this in the show. A lot of the oil fills, and especially the new shale plays that are arriving. Right. Um, in a, tell me a little bit about um, the large scale power plants that you guys have been supporting within the oil and gas industry. Right. So. Um, we support um, artificial lift, which is generally small sites, but scaled out across um, large areas within a shell play. But we also act as a utility provider. So where a utility is not present, we put large scale power systems in place from five megawatt to, in some cases, 250 megawatt. And it could be a permanent installation where utility never arrives. Uh, or it could be temporary, and we're there for maybe a year. Uh, so we do large utility-type installations, and there's a uh, there's an episode we're going to talk about that here coming up a little bit later on. Well, you know, one of the things that was amazing to see is, um, you know, if you live in a big urban city, you're used to all of the amenities and you're used to all the comforts. But when shales started to pop up, five, six years ago, and you started looking at places like South Texas, Eagle Ford, and Permian Basin that's pretty uh, desolate, it was a very difficult thing for oil and gas companies to really get going quickly. And to see companies rise to the occasion in which typically um, some companies were waiting six months or longer that's to right. get power. And so there's a great need for this when we talk about, and we talk a lot on the show about energy independence mm-hmm. and, the, and the, um, you know, the administration and the EPA moving towards trying to help uh, get this uh, going. I want to change this up just a little bit and talk about some of the industries. With regards to temporary power, what kind of industry changes are you seeing and what kind of trends are forming? Right. So, Today, um, we're seeing a a very large increase in demand for large capacity power systems, 
running electrical submersible pumps on multi-well pads. Um, we're, we're seeing more and more of that prevalent. Now, um, now, break that down. That means that there's a lot more power usage going because there's multiple fracks or multiple... Well, again, we tend to, we tend to power uh, the artificial lift. So once the pad goes into production, uh, we're providing power for whatever type of artificial lift is being used to uh, to pull the, the oil out, right. of, out of the ground. So uh, these are uh, multi-well pads, so they could have five wells on an individual pad. And there's uh, electrical submersible pumps that are, that are down hole, high horsepower, moving a lot of water, moving a lot of oil. Um, so it, it, it takes a fair amount of power, more than, say, a, a standard 75-horsepower rod pump would on a single-well pad. Um, so we're seeing more of that. Um, we're seeing more of that happen today. Now, back in 2012, um, when the land-based boom kind of was starting, and I'll use Permian Basin as an example because of all the shell plays in North America today, that's the most active one um, for just about right. everyone. We operate in all shell plays across North America, but the Permian is the most active for us today. Um, and back in 2012, we saw producers just really – um, going with single well pads, um, single ESP, single rod pumps, and the idea was uh, to get the production as fast as you can. So, uh, but as time went on, they started scaling out to, to larger multi well pads, becoming more efficient. Right. So, and so, do you see? Uh, I know that there's most of all of the oil uh, rigs that are running are in Permian Basin compared to any other <clears throat> shell. Play. That's right. Um, are they mostly appearing now to be with these multi-wells on them, or are there still some that are coming up with one or two? No, they are. They are. They're, they're varying. We're just seeing um, uh, a higher demand for power for those types of systems. And, you know, where we really come into play is when producers start um, producing oil and, and putting pads in place outside of infrastructure. And, and that's where the primary demand comes on. But we're also seeing a demand today where the electrical utility exists. So another industry uh, change is that uh, the utilities are becoming taxed. So there's not enough power on the on the line. Right. Voltage is beginning to drop. Um, uh, intermittent power outages. So where they are expanding with the utility, we're seeing we're seeing problems with the utility grid. So. So we're putting supplemental power, either tying in and working in conjunction with the utility grid, or we're disconnecting and 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 we're uh, we're providing power in lieu of the utility, even though utility is there. Right. Well, you know, David, you bring up a good point about when a city starts being overtaxed with just simple utilities. What does that look like for the residents? What does it look like for the oil and gas industry? We do have to take a quick break, but when we get back from break, I want to continue on this topic. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, my good friends over there at Oil Field Experts has been buying and selling sand for years. Go ahead and give Clint a call at 210-471-1923. Again, that number is 210-471-1923. You might not know that you actually have money sitting on the ground. So if you have sand, go ahead and give our friends at Oilfield Experts a call at 210-471-1923. And don't forget, if you're in the business to buy sand, go ahead and give Clint a call. He gives very competitive prices. 
Once again, that number is 210-471-1923. 210-471-1923. And tell them that Kim sent you. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is David Dickard, who is the head of the Oil and Gas Division for Greco of North America. And David, before the break, we were really getting into some of the taxing problems that a lot of these cities have seen with so much oil and gas coming in so quickly that it, 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 it well, it's an amazing thing for the state of Texas. And it's an amazing thing that's just happening, period, with as we march to this energy dominance. There's also, though, infrastructure issues that always occur. And Agreco has started to spot and help fill the need for mm-hmm. issues that are, ta- or, that are happening. So tell me a little bit about some of the things that you see that are happening in the way of problems, and what is Agreco doing to kind of fix these problems? What's the need? Sure, sure. Well, um, when we before we went to break, we were talking about uh, the utility being taxed and uh, somewhat overloaded. Um, and uh, again, we normally operate outside of utility, but we're seeing a demand for us to work with utility um, and support the producers. So generally what we're doing is um, we'll take a portion of the utility grid and uh, the producer will will pull the fuses at a certain point and disconnect from it. And then we'll put a parallel generator system uh, through transformers, step it up, and then uh, act as a utility for the remainder of the overhead distribution. So. Their system continues it. to operate like it was on utility right. with no more no more burden, no more disruptions. Uh, we just basically split the grid, so to speak. Well, I mean, I can imagine if I lived in Midland, and I'm not saying this is happening, but if, if uh, lights were uh, turning off easily or things that you weren't necessarily used to before the shell play, that could probably be a little... Um, a little irritating, but then also, if if you guys are actually splitting the utility, meaning you're acti- actually acting as a utility company per se and providing utilities additionally to to handle what's actually the overflow and and the demand is, uh, yeah, I never thought about that as far as you know, are there companies that do that? And obviously there are. Yeah, and and. Where we are acting is we're working with producers that own their own overhead distribution. So, so this is not connected with any type of residential. Utility. Okay. Right. It's it's only operating. Uh, so there is no uh, interference with any of the community per se. It's just out at the well sites that's and it's correct. just providing that's enough correct. power to get these rigs up and running. That's well, that's correct. good to know. So that's how, how? Tell me how you expand on what kind of trends you're seeing that are forming out there today as well. So there's a there's a couple of trends that that we're seeing and and uh, most everyone are, are feeling these and it's it's around product and people demand. And, oh yes. And, and we'll talk a bit about that <laughs> again in the Permian. Um, and then the last one that we see forming is how we're using new technologies. So from a product perspective, and uh, uh, most of the folks out there are going to know what I'm about to say is. Unless you're unless you're giving some lead time to service companies, um, you're having to wait. 
So one of the things that we're seeing... And waiting is not good. Waiting is not good. (laughs) Waiting is not good. One of the things that that we tell uh, customers all the time that we work with is, you know, give us a couple of weeks notice, give us a month notice. Um, Some of these systems that we're putting in are fairly large and they scale out uh, over time. And we can respond last minute, but we don't want to operate like that every single day. And most service companies uh, in the Permian are, are saying the same thing, is that, you know, we want to get everything taken care of, and the most, the, the best lead time we can get, uh, the better it is for everyone. Obviously, the big discussion everywhere is people, people, people. There's not enough people right. to work in the industry. Um, and so talk to me about your people demand. Yeah, so we're doing everything we can to um, to hire local talent, and uh, we're constantly bringing on uh, mostly technicians to uh, to support our applications and support our customers. Uh, today, we operate a 24-7 operation in the Permian. We never close. We're constantly bringing fleet in uh, from other areas of Greco. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, the great thing about Agreco is we're a global organization, and when something happens like it's happening in the Permian, um, we can shift and move fleet from other locations, even globally. We're, we're, we're going to talk about in another episode coming up the, the frac sands. And uh, we're moving uh, large multi-megawatt machines from our Dubai location for a lot of these. So we can move product, we can move fleet in, and we do the same thing with people, but we really want to hire local and we really want to support local as much as we can. So um, we've got a number of technical positions that are open right now. We're supporting those uh, with external folks and they're, they're coming in for two weeks and then they'll leave. But we really want to hire all those positions and, and get them filled with local local personnel. And, and we're doing fairly well at doing that. So Well, I mean, and I think that a great company has to be um, all all the way around great right now to be attracting um, employees. When we return from break, I want to get into the technology that you guys are also looking at and bringing forward too. But we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have David Dickert, who is the head of sales for the oil and gas for Greco in North America. Again, David, before the break, we were talking about just the the trends that are happening in the oil and gas sector, especially pertaining to the big shell play Permian Basin. But you guys also in Agreco are developing new technologies, and I want to talk about that commitment on what are some of the needs in the technology, and how is Agreco right. coming along and fitting those demands? Right. Well, you know, as as we were going through the uh, the boom as as 2012, 2013, 2014, um, um, we introduced natural gas. Natural gas was our big uh, introduction during those periods of time. 
And there wasn't a lot of concern about efficiency. It was all about how fast can you right. produce, how fast can that we That was like the gold power. rush, exactly. <laughs> but in exactly. oil and gas. So as you know, we all went in a little bit of a downturn there for, for, for a bit. And, um, and that was hard. <laughs> that, that was difficult. It, but, you know, companies like Agreco, a lot of us, we stepped back and we started designing new areas that would make us more efficient. So we don't need a $100 barrel of oil anymore to uh, generate the same returns. We can do it with what we're at today, maybe $60 a barrel, right? So, right. so some things that, that we're able to get designed, we have um, a fairly unique uh, power automation type system that operates on batteries. And um, so we use um, temporary power generation or utilities in conjunction with battery power. So when there's not a large demand on site, our batteries take over, utility is disconnected, or generators are disconnected, um, and batteries operate the system. Um, we do that with a solar type system, and uh, we have a self-charging system that we work uh, with the batteries as well. Um, we recently um, joined a, uh, a merger. We, we purchased a company called Yanikos. Unicos is a is a big global organization that that supports uh, battery systems and software for utility and battery integration. So those guys are working mostly with us on a global footprint for large utility projects. But we're looking at some challenges that the oil and gas industry is facing today, like ride through with utility faults. Um, so we've got um, uh, artificial lift systems that because of uh, cycle interruption with utility, right. their, their systems are shutting down. So we're starting to look at how do we, how do we combat this and, and put maybe a ride-through system that solves that problem for uh, the producers and, and doesn't shut their fields down uh, because of a utility interruption. Well, you know, David, you were also mentioning something about how some of the products that you're using are also greener technologies mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, that's great to see because I think a lot of times the perception is oil and gas is just oil and gas and, and a lot of the companies that are working in the oil and gas are definitely aware of greener technologies and trying to bring them on board to gather this. Um, talk to me a little bit about uh, federal and state, um, their regulations and how those things are changing um, the basins. Well, um, we're beginning to see more and more requests for tier four diesel engines, and and this is the the latest and greatest technology that uh, that meets emissions requirements. So we're seeing more of a request uh, for that type of system. And what, and a tier four generator, meaning specifically what are these also app, uh, generators that are used by the government as well? Or? No, it's it's a emission emissionized okay. engine. So it's if you go out and, and purchase a diesel truck today, it uh, it uh, has a tier four engine in it. It runs a solution called DEF fluid that absorbs uh, the hydrocarbons from the exhaust. So these are the same types of engines, but they're industrial engines. Okay. So we're seeing more and more requests for this industrial style engine, this tier four engine um, that, that meets emissions requirements. We're also seeing um, a more openness to apply natural gas generation. 
Um, back in the 2012 to 2014 time frame, we began to introduce natural gas generation, and there was a bit of a reluctance to use it because um, most of the time we operate out of the gas that's coming straight out of the ground, untreated. Right. And uh, there was a, a, a bit of a concern around reliability and performance, uh, but today a lot of those issues have been worked through and we're seeing a more openness to use natural gas type generation. So we're deploying more of that. And we've also developed uh, from a new technology standpoint uh, skids that can take really high BTU gas that normally you couldn't run in the natural gas engines and we can uh, treat it on site and we can operate it and run it within the machine. So that's really helping the emissions as well. And you know, Natural gas, is, it seems to be really the buzzword these days as well. Uh, obviously, a lot goes back to um, exporting it, and of course, it's it's priced much uh, cheaper, so it's easier um, for companies to utilize. And we see a lot of the cities and stuff, the municipalities turning to a natural gas, whether it's in their vehicles or, or their uh, bus systems and mm -hmm. stuff. I thought there was some, some new technology or technology that was being utilized to kind of help to use more of the natural gas out at the rig sites as well. Because obviously it burns cleaner and it's That's cheap. Right. So That's right. That's right. We are seeing that. Um, um, uh, we are seeing uh, fumigated type engines that will operate on 60% natural gas, 40% diesel. So it's more of a dual fuel type situation. Um, um, we can support those applications. Those applications are normally very short-term in nature. We primarily operate on, on the artificial lift or the utility side that's, that's quite long-term uh, in nature. But uh, we're seeing a lot and we're using a lot of CNG, a lot of LNG right. uh -huh. um, in, lieu of, in lieu of diesel. And we'll get to talking about that when we get into the episode. Yeah, I think with, there's a lot with, of confusion with the, with the differences between right. them. And so I do want to definitely cover that. I think we're covering that in, the, in another segment that we're going to do with you guys. Uh, well, David, we do have to take a break. But when we come back, I want to get back on the topic of the state and federal regulations that are playing a role uh, in the business decisions. Uh, but we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independents, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at TexasAlliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. The new issue of Shell Magazine featuring Parsley Energy is online now. Visit ShellMag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. 
Specializing in hard-to-find oil-filled parts for your fleet maintenance needs, oil-filled experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil-filled experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have David Dickert, who is the head of sales for the oil and gas for Greco in North America. David, before the break, we were talking about how state and federal regulations are playing a role in business decisions today, and Greco isn't any different. So talk to me a little bit about some of the decisions you guys are making pertaining to the basins. I know we were covering a little bit about natural gas and the four-tier diesel, but what else are you guys working on? Yeah, so um, uh, aside from the tier four introduction for diesel and aside for, for operating on um, successful and a lot of varying gases with natural gas, the other piece that, that we're seeing a lot of value with emissions, uh, and this is about emissions reporting, is through remote monitoring systems on on generation today. So normally in the past, um, the engine horsepower that was being installed on a particular site, the producer would have to take that horsepower and report it for emissions usage as that engine was running at full potential all the time. But with the new remote monitoring systems that are out today, what you're, what you're able to do is actually calculate actual horsepower being used on site. So you can report your emissions at the actual horsepower used, not an extrapolation of this is what the potential and because we can't monitor it, we have to report of the max. So more of like lifetime? Yeah, data? more of, more of real time and it's real done, time. done on a monthly type basis and a lot of remote operating systems, remote monitoring systems today can give you that functionality and that capability so your emissions team um, can can have that data downloaded. And you may have, um, I mean, we've got customers that have 60, 80, 100 uh, individual power systems out operating at any given time. You run that through a remote monitoring system and you're able to give um, uh, actual horsepower used on site across a period of time. So you can report that as your emissions um, and uh, it helps out without having to, to go to max horsepower when you're never using max horsepower. Right. So. You know, something that's very interesting is, again, um, as a person of the community and, um, you know, just talking about oil and gas to, to experts like yourself, it's always amazing to me to see how the community, the perception is that oil and gas is just, it's one of these types of businesses that are just not cutting edge uh, utilizing technology, and it, it just couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, companies like Agreco are showing, right. and, and all these companies, that it is a highly technical, very well-educated, very clean 
uh, resource that we must have to, to sustain life and, and extend life. Uh, it's just amazing the perception, the different perception. Right. No, it's exactly right. And, and some of the things that, that, that folks don't think about is um, every time we can deploy a natural gas generator at a location and we can operate off of the gas that is coming straight out of the ground, you're um, uh, reducing the traffic that's on the road. Right. So you're not having to deliver diesel fuel to a unit uh, uh, multiple times a day. Um, you're increasing the, the, the safety profile of that particular project because you're not having to handle a diesel fuel. You're not having to, to have someone there to deliver it. You're not um, exposing the environment to a, to a spill. So there's a lot of advantages. And it just burns. That's not right. as clean. That's right. It's, it's just it's, not as clean it's, burning. Right. And so there's a lot of advantages other than, well, using natural gas is a lower cost, right? Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of other advantages that sometimes you just don't think about uh, that really impact everybody within a, within a, uh, that, that, that's exposed to driving or, or working in and around this area that you're working in. So. Tell me, how long has Agreco been in oil and gas? Has it been years and years and years, or is this something that you guys uh, looked at as the North America started to develop right. and you guys jumped into it a year or two later? Right. When did you guys make the So we, we started in oil and gas. Our, our foundation was built uh, on offshore oil and gas. Um, Agreco is a global company. We're we're based out of uh, Dumbarton, Scotland, traded on the London Stock Exchange, and and we arrived in the U.S. in 1986. And when we came to the U.S. in 1986, we were the only company that had silent generation at that time, silent generators. And uh, we started uh, here in offshore oil and gas. Uh, and so it's just a natural progression right. into it, right. and just. Interesting, interesting. Well, I want to uh, discuss before we close that we have joined into a partnership to, with Agreco to try to help um, the community understand more about oil and gas and the perception that basically a lot of individuals get. Since obviously we're a radio show, we want to definitely look at partners who can help us tell the oil and gas story um, and, and have some of these questions that a lot of people have that are somewhat leery to ask. Uh, we want to answer their questions and so we're grateful that Agreco has stepped up and has said we want to be a, a company that tells our story. And so it was a pleasure, David, having you here in the studio today and we're looking forward to having you back on our next five episodes that we're going to have on the Agreco Power Hour or Hour of Power, if you will. Um, and so give us a preview of what we're going to focus on in the next week. So uh, next episode, we're gonna we're gonna dig into uh, frac sand, and we're gonna talk about how um, we're working with the frac sand industry, uh, powering some of the the larger mines that are beginning to come uh, together out in the Permian Basin. And you know, a lot of this is just thinking about it. If you don't have power, we don't have shell plates, and if you don't have sand you don't have a shell plane. Right, so right, two right. of the biggest components that you need in a Greco is right there on demand. So David, thank you again for coming into studio and talking to us. And we look forward to having you back okay. next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that's all the time we have, but be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show, or follow us on Twitter at shell mag. If you are interested in keeping up with In the Oil Patch Radio Show or the latest issue of Shell Magazine, you can do that. It's free. 
all you have to do is go to www.shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and sign up for our free newsletter. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.